humanity on the earth, there have been attempts to find a way around death. The fountain of youth. The, 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 every, every culture has some kind of story where somebody discovers some substance that they can sip or eat and it will give them their life back, it will give them their youth back. Today we turn to science for our hope of at least extending life. I find it interesting that while we, uh, while we look for pills and medications and surgeries and that kind of thing to help us live a better life, it seems like the, best, the three best uh, uh, life extenders are things that are in our control. They're things like diet and weight and exercise. Ugh. Who wants to do all that stuff when you can just take a pill, right? But we, we, we look all over the place for these, uh, these things that we can extend our life. It's, it's uh, Jesus promised his disciples in John 10.10. 10. He said this, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the first thing that we need to understand is that Jesus has come to make our life rich and satisfying. Now the problem that we have is we have defined rich and satisfying down to stuff. If you have enough stuff, if you have enough money, if you have enough cars, if you have enough fun, if you have all of those things, that that makes life rich and satisfying. And then when you get there, you discover that it really doesn't answer the call to what it promised you in the first place. That it's not enough. That you need more and more of those things to make you happy. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Whoever, uh, whoever comes unto me will have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is what we're going to talk about this morning. In John chapter 11... Jesus makes an interesting statement. He says, he, says he, he, he was called to a funeral. Jesus was in another city, and his friend Lazarus was sick and dying. And they called for Jesus to come and heal him. Jesus had healed other people. He had healed all kinds of other people. And they thought, surely we've got an in on Jesus. He's our friend. He's the one that, that knows us well. He's been in our home. We've entertained him. He's, he can come and heal Lazarus. And Jesus just kind of puts it off and puts it off until finally Lazarus dies and Jesus shows up for the funeral. And they, they're kind of ticked off at him a little bit. They say, Lord, if you'd have only come, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says this. He, he uses one of those kind of strange statements that he says. Now remember, he's at a funeral when he says this. <clears throat> he says, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Now he's at a funeral saying this. This is a head scratcher. The people are saying, what is going on here? What are you talking about? Here's the promise of God of the possibility of life after death that will come to all of us. We all have an appointment with death someday. Unless Jesus returns, all of us are going to die someday. I've said that several times during this series. And I always say, doesn't it make you glad you came to church this morning? What would you learn in church today? I learned I'm going to die. Well, it's true. All of us are going to die. But that doesn't end our life. Our life does not end at death, especially for those who belong to Jesus Christ. It says in Hebrews 9.27, Just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes the judgment. 
So we, we see that this, this promise of Jesus, this kind of aha moment, Jesus has this way of placing things in juxtaposition to itself. Jesus says stuff like, the way up in the kingdom of God is down. The way to be great is to be a servant, literally a slave to each, to each other. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to learn to be the servant of all. The way up is down. And here he's saying something like, if you die, you don't stay dead. You're going to live forever. There's this eternal life thing that I'm talking about that we want you to do. So that raises a bunch of questions. We're going to start just asking some questions and seeing what the Bible has to say about them this morning. When we, when we look at these questions and see what the Bible has to say about them, I trust that it's going to bring you hope and, and, uh, and joy in your life. We're going to talk about death, but we're going to talk about death in the context of that it cannot hold on to us, that it cannot cling to us, it cannot keep us. Death has to let go of us. How does that happen? Well, the first question we want to ask is, what happens when I die? What happens when I die? When I breathe my final breath, when, I, when I'm done, when it's over, what happens to me when I die? And it says that you go to be with the Lord. Paul says in Philippians 1, 21 and 23, he says this, For to me, living means for living for Christ, and dying is even better. What a strange thing to say. For me, living is for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ, so I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. Paul didn't have a death wish. He was genuinely torn between staying here on earth and going to heaven to be with the Father. He's in jail here. He's on trial for his life. And he knows that he could end up being, being uh, killed for the kingdom of God. And he's kind of ba battling with the, with the desire of his heart. Because he wants to keep doing his work. His work is fruitful. It's fulfilling to him. It's doing the call of God on his life. He's fulfilling God's call on his life. And he wants to keep doing that. He wants to keep doing the work that he's called to do. It's very fulfilling when you find that sweet spot where you're doing what God has called you to do, where you're living in his grace and his goodness, and, and things are going the way that God wants them to go. There's a very fulfilling part of that in our lives. And Paul is experiencing that. And he's saying, I don't know which is better really because for me now for me my selfish desire would be to go to be with Jesus he firmly believed that when you die you go to be in the presence of Jesus that to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord no in-between ground no purgatory no waiting room to no longer be in this life means that we are in the presence of Jesus Christ Someday we're going to close our eyes for the final time. And when we close our eyes for the final time, we are going to go into the presence of Jesus Christ if we belong to Him. If we belong to Him, we're going to go into the presence of Jesus Christ. So that's what happens when we, when we, uh, when we, when we close our eyes for that final time. Jesus said to the, to the man on the cross, he, he looked at him and He said, Today you will be with me in paradise. They were both dying. And Jesus said, today, not tomorrow, not next week, not if you go somewhere, not in, in no intermediate state here. He's saying, today, you will be with me when, I, when you enter paradise. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because that, that thief didn't live a life of 
of virtue and fortitude for Jesus Christ. He believed on him at the last moment of time, and, and, he, and as long as he had breath, he had hope of, of salvation, and he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus answered that call, and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's a hope for all of us. We go to be with the Lord, or you face judgment. That's the other alternative. There's a story in Matthew chapter 25 that Jesus told his disciples and the people that were around him. And it was a story, well, let me just read it to you. It says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you visited me. All these things are all part of the, crea- part of the kingdom of God. And then the king will turn to those on the left and he'll say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. You didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't clothe me when I was naked. You didn't visit me when I was in prison. And, they'll ask, and then it says that they'll ask him, Lord, when did we see? If it was you, God, if it was you, Jesus, we certainly would have come and visit you in prison. But were you ever in prison? And then the king says, He will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. Here's the part I want you to listen to. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. There's two places. There's two destinations that we have. Eternal life or eternal punishment. Now, I know we don't like the idea of eternal punishment. We don't like to think of a God that will do that. But if you notice, the onus is placed upon the person. They didn't do the things that they were supposed to do. They literally chose eternal punishment by disobeying God Himself. And that's the reason that they're going to eternal punishment. Go into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. What will I be like after I die, the Bible we asked tonight? Well, our souls will be in the presence of God. There's a story, there's a portion of Scripture in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, that says this. Now, the book of Revelation is in the future. And it says this, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of all those who had been martyred for the Lord, word of the God and, of being, and for being faithful in their testimony. They shouted to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you judge the people who belong to this world and avenge our blood for what they have done to us? Then a white robe was given to each of them. They were told to rest a little longer until the full number of their brothers and sisters, their fellow servants of Jesus who were being martyred, had joined them. These people, when they died, they went into the presence of God. They went directly into the presence of God. That's our hope also, is that when you die, when you close your eyes for the last time, that you will go directly into the presence of God if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you're part of the kingdom of God, you go directly into the presence of God. First chapter, my goodness. I'm sorry, I've got this thing going on with my throat. So I'm going to clear my throat. throat) There we go. 
1 Corinthians chapter 15 is all about resurrection. The first part of chapter 15 is about Christ's resurrection. It talks about how he was raised from the dead and how it's the cornerstone of our faith. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, we have no hope, the Bible says. So our resurrection that we look forward to is part of Christ's resurrection. It's all because of his resurrection. Thank you very much. Now I'll pause and take a drink of water. If Christ is not raised from the dead, we have no hope. And the reason that we have our hope is found in the second part of chapter 15 where he talks about what our resurrection will be like, what our resurrected bodies will be like. Listen to this. Here's what you're going to be like when you enter into your resurrected body. It says, It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. There is coming a time when these bodies will be resurrected and they'll be perfected, they'll be transformed, they'll be turned into perfect bodies that never have any maintenance needs anymore. You won't need to go to the doctor in heaven. All the doctors will be out of business. But they'll be busy doing other stuff, so don't worry about the doctors. They're going to be fine. But our bodies are going to be raised in newness of life. Perhaps it's helpful to think of it in terms of these things up here. Acorns. Those are acorns, if you can't tell. In our physical bodies versus our spiritual bodies that are coming through, these are acorns. They have a purpose. Now, their, their evidentiary purpose is to feed squirrels and deer and all of that kind of stuff. That's one of the purposes that they have right now here on this earth. They feed animals. They look, they're food for squirrels and deer and the like. But that's not its ultimate purpose. What is the ultimate purpose of that acorn? It's to become an oak tree, isn't it? There to be a mighty oak tree. And, and uh, the, inside this tiny, fragile, seemingly insignificant seed lies the makings of a great tree. And that's what it does. And what does it take for this transformation to take place? What does that seed have to do in order to become this great tree? It has to die, doesn't it? It has to be buried. It has to go into the ground. Death and burial, sorrow and loss, all of that kind of stuff. But in order for this tree to be unleashed, the seed must be dead and buried. The spiritual body that is to come bears no resemblance to the seed that is planted. It is transformed into a completely different thing. And so it will be with our resurrected bodies. No longer constrained by time and space and all of that kind of stuff. It will be a body that is transformed into something greater and more wonderful than we can ever imagine in this life. It says it in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. 
If you never were familiar with acorns and oak trees, you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think to link the two together because they're so vitally different from each other. The acorn is just a little bit of a nut, just a little bit of a thing, and it doesn't have, to look at it doesn't look like it has the potential to become that great big red oak tree and, and, and have all the strength and the power that that has. That's exactly what we're looking at. My body will be resurrected, not reincarnated. Reincarnation is not resurrection. It's not the same thing because you can go either way in reincarnation. You can go down or up, depending on how good you were in this life. Resurrection has nothing to do with how good you were in, in this life. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. And if He's Lord of your life, and if He's the center of your life, then you become resurrected in Him. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 50-53, it says this, What I am saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. There it is again. That physical body that's dying away it cannot last forever. That's our intention. That's our purpose. That's our goal is to live forever with Jesus Christ. But let me reveal a wonderful secret to you. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. There are going to be some that are alive when Jesus Christ returns. And, and, we're, we're, and we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be transformed. He says, it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Those who have died will be raised to live forever. Now listen. They haven't received their resurrection body yet. They're waiting for that. We go as a spirit into the presence of God. And we dwell in His presence wholly, completely, consciously. Uh, we're all there. It's us that's there. But it's in a spirit, spirit form. And then when Jesus returns, we get our resurrected bodies, the Bible says. And those who have died will be raised to live forever. And those who are living will be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. For our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. We're going to live forever. That's what it means to be, to be ever, everlasting life. It says, I believe in the resurrection of the body and in everlasting life. We're going to live forever with Jesus Christ. That's what we've got to look forward to. And there's something else about this body that, that we need to make note of. All the suffering, all the death, all the pain will be banished forever. All of that will be gone. In Revelation 21, 3 through 5, it says this, I heard a loud shout from heaven saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. That's what we have to look forward to. We look forward to a resurrected body where all of the cares of this world are done. There won't be any glass shops in, in heaven. There won't be any chiropractors in heaven. Boy, if there's anybody here that's in that business, I don't mean to offend you. 
There's not going to be any rehabilitation in heaven. There's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any sorrow. There's not going to be need for any of that because we'll be living in perfected bodies. That is our destiny. That is our joy. That is our hope today. Tim Keller wrote this following thing that I want to read to you. He says, When my wife was growing up, every summer her family spent two weeks at a small compound of cottages on the shores of Lake Erie. Now the cottages are all gone. In fact, that part of the beach is gone. Whenever she visits that childhood vacation spot, she weeps because she knows that the beach is irretrievable. That sense of irretrievability is like a death. And the older we all get, the more we realize that certain losses are irretrievable. They're gone, and that sucks the joy out of our heart. But here's where Christ's resurrection does something unique. Even religions that promise a kind of spiritual future or spiritual bliss only offer consolation for what you've lost. But the resurrection of Christ even promises the restoration of what you lost. You don't just get your body back, you get the body that you've always wanted. You don't just get your life back, You get the life that you always wanted, but you never had. But Jesus Christ is walking proof that you will miss nothing. Nothing. It's all coming in the future. It's going to be unimaginably wonderful. There is no religion, no philosophy, no human being who can offer that kind of future. And as Christians, our hope for the future is based on the historical fact of the resurrection. So if you're not a Christian, let me ask, why wouldn't you want that? Even if you don't like different aspects of the Christian faith, why wouldn't you want this hope for restoration? You're not being honest with yourself if you say you don't want that. We're going to live forever in perfect bodies that are complete and whole. And in the presence of Jesus Christ, all of that comes true. So... What is everlasting life? Everlasting life is living in the presence of God forever. Very simple. Everlasting life is life that lasts forever. Everlasting life is life that never ends. For this is how God loved the world, John 3.16 says. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. When you close your eyes for that last time, when you go into the presence of Jesus, you go with the confidence of knowing this is it. It's never going to end. I'll never have to go through that again. I'll never have to wear glasses again. I'll never have to walk with that brace again. My wheelchair is worthless to me. All of those things are absolutely done and gone with forever. John, 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He's given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. You know, there's a story about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was a believer. He arranged his own funeral. He knew, that he, was, he knew that he was a great man. He told his butler that many times. One time he was rude to his butler, and his butler was kind of sulking around, and he said, 
you hurt my feelings, sir. And Churchill's response was, but I'm a great man. Big deal, you still hurt his feelings. But he, he planned his own funeral, and in, in, in all the hymns at stately St. Paul's Cathedral were, were played in impressive liturgy. But at the end of the service, Churchill planned an unusual event. At the end of the service, from the rafters of that great church, they played taps, you know. Do, 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 do. I could get a second job, couldn't I? They played taps because his life was over. No. <laughs> Thank you very much. His life has ended, and he played taps to mark that end. But then there was the beat of a drum, and then the resounding sounds of reveille. He was telling the world that this life hadn't ended his life, but that he had come into the presence of the living God. I imagine people kind of freaked at that one. They're playing the wrong song. No, they're not. They're playing the right song. 1 Corinthians 15. I want to close with this piece of Scripture because this is our destiny if you belong to Jesus Christ. If you belong to Jesus Christ, this is what it's all about. It says, Then when our dying bodies has been transformed into bodies that will never die, at that moment when we're transformed into those eternal bodies that need no more, no more maintenance, no more help, no more, no more crying, no more tears, all of that kind of stuff is gone. It says, Then the Scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? God is going to plant the flag on death and say, You are done. No more death, no more dying. That's why Jesus could say, if you believe in me, you will never die. You'll never really die. You might, you might experience death for a little while, but it can't hold you. It can't grip you. It can't keep a hold of you because I am greater than death. And one day, I'm going to transform your body and death will have to run away. It will have to turn you loose. It will have to release you from its grip because I said so. Because I beat death, and in my beating death, I am your victory over death too. For, the sin, for sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But, thank God, He gives us victory over sin, death, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord! That is our hope, that's our victory, that's our joy. We have victory over death in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together, shall we? Father, thank you for that victory that we have over death, hell, and the grave. It's because of you that we have it, God. We confess that it's not our own doings that have made that happen, but it's your word that gives us hope. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you don't have that hope. I want you to know that all you have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what the Bible says. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you've never done that this morning, you can do that. You can come up and I can pray with you. You can stand there and just say, Jesus, I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to cleanse me, make me whole, and I want to belong to you. And you'll be saved all by yourself. It doesn't matter what method you do it. It just matters that you do it this morning. 
And so if you've never done that, I invite you to come forward. I'd be happy to pray with you. But if you want to do it all by yourself, you can do it all by yourself. But if you do it by yourself, would you let me know that you've done that just so I can have that satisfaction of knowing that you've made that decision to follow Jesus Christ? I'd appreciate that if you do that. So let's just think about that as the worship team sings this song. And if you want to come forward, I'll be waiting here for you. Otherwise, if you sit in the front row, if you kneel at the altar, that's the leave me alone zone. I won't bother you. You can just pray between you and God. If you want to be prayed for, just come and stand here and we'll pray for you. All right.